stand one more time. We're going to ask the Lord to help us today. And I'm going to be brief uh, as I can be. That's always a challenge for a preacher. But today, it's an awesome and wonderful day to celebrate our men. And I say again how happy I am to see all of you. I agree with what was said earlier. I believe some of the greatest men and fathers anywhere in the world are found in this building today. And I applaud you today. Amen. I think we ought to give them a hand of applause. Will you do that? Amen. Praise God. Now, I'm not going to read my text yet, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray with me that God will open our hearts and our minds that we can receive His Word. And when we leave here, we leave with something that will change the course of our life. Will you pray with me right now, Lord? In the name of Jesus, we pray that Your mercies will be in this place and that Your hand will guide. God, anoint our lips and help us, Lord, I pray. I ask you for guidance. I ask you for that unction that comes from you alone. I pray your blessings upon the word and that word to our hearts that we will leave here inspired. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As Father's Day approached, a young mother took her three-year-old son to the card store to purchase a card for his dad, and she told him to pick one out, whatever one suited him, whatever one caught his attention. She pointed him to the area in the card shop where those cards would be found, and then she busied herself uh, with some other things only to turn back and see him opening one card, closing it, shoving it back down in the display, grabbing another one, opening it up, closing it. And they were in every which way. And as a mother, she was taken back by the, the conduct of her little boy. And she said, what in the world are you doing? Haven't you found a nice card for your dad? He said, no, not yet. None of them have any money in them. <laughs> Hint. One dad said, Father's Day is the only day of the year that my kids obey me. I tell them not to spend a lot of money on me, and they don't. I hope that's not the case. There was a young father that was trying his hand at feeding the baby some strained peas. And the natural process was that it wasn't getting too much in the mouth, but it was getting everywhere else. There were traces of food on the floor, on the ceiling, on the wall, in the hair, on his arms, on his face in the seat where he was sitting and uh, he was just dazed and looking off into space when his wife walked in and saw all that. She said, what in the world is going on here? He said, oh, I'm just waiting for the first coat to dry before I apply the second one. (laughs) 
Amen. That's about what it feels like sometimes trying to feed that moving mouth. But so thankful that we have the opportunity to do that today, that we have been given the privilege of fathering children, not just biologically, but even naturally, spiritually. What a great privilege. I want to thank some of our men for sharing some things with me early on that helped kind of feed this message. I had already had in my mind uh, the direction I felt like the Lord wanted me to go, and they shared some things that just added fuel to the fire. Brother Ethan Barger, Brother Greg Peden, and Brother James Twinier, and I want to thank them publicly for sharing uh, what they shared with me. My intentions today are not to uh, come forth in a negative tone. I'm not here in any stretch to put down our men or to cast stones of accusation. But I am going to take note of an observance that was made in Scripture that I feel that we need to be aware of. If you'll turn with me, you don't have to stand, but they're going to put it on the screen. Psalms chapter 12 and verse number 1, the psalmist lamented these words. He cried out, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. The new English translation said that the righteous perish and no man layeth it to heart and merciful men are taken away. Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 1. He said the godly perish but no one is concerned. Micah chapter 7 and verse number 2. He said the good man is perished out of the earth and there is none upright among men. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning on the vanishing man. The vanishing man. Our subject is a subject that deeply concerns me, not only as a pastor, but as a man, as it ought to concern all of us. And it's hard to grasp the, the, the real situation that we are in, but it's very similar to what these three men found themselves in in times past. Three men, separate generations, different times perhaps even living under different cultural norms. But they were grappling with the same reality. They were struggling with the same challenging circumstances. And they were all having the same reaction toward what they saw and what they were considering. David, Isaiah... Micah, one of them said, I howl. He began his psalm with a wailing cry. And the cry was that the godly man ceaseth. 
Isaiah picked up the pen of inspiration and he wrote disturbed by the consideration that his mind was even contemplating and he was puzzled, he was confused that no one seemed to care what was happening in their culture. Micah cried out and he was so distressed by what he saw. The Bible indicates that he was put into a spirit of depression. He actually said in one translation, I am depressed. Now all three of these were seized and shaken by the same trouble, the same trouble was the was in every mind it disturbed them and it shook their world the vision that they saw was depressing it was disheartening it was distressing to their mind and spirit it was disconcerting for them to even consider what was happening and without doubt they all were troubled by what they saw. My question is, what was it that they saw that was bring forth such lamentation and howling and crying? And what did they see that would produce such emotional outburst and would create such a disturbance in their heart? Was it a formidable foe that they were considering? Or was it some embarrassing defeat that they were having to come to grips with when the prophet surveys the land and considers the situation and sees the dire circumstances that have shaken him? It arises not because of a greater enemy and it doesn't arise because of a lack or want in their community but for the simple scarcity of godly men. They had vanished. They had disappeared. They had gone away. Certainly, a famine of bread is a serious crisis. And even more serious than that is a famine of hearing the word of God. But you hear me this morning. The greatest of all tragedies for any nation and any people is the absence of godly men in its culture. Amen. These men had come to realize that their greatest enemy was not the calamities that might befall them. And their greatest enemy was not war or pestilence or national calamity. But their greatest problem would be the ceasing of good men. The vanishing the disappearing, the fading of the faithful, the loyal, the merciful man. When good men are marginalized in a culture, then only bad can come. When they are eliminated from the picture, however they choose to do it, by feminizing manhood or ridiculing manhood, or as the Psychological Association of America said, that traditional masculinity is unhealthy for our present culture. We are in trouble 
as a nation and a people. The thing that troubles me tonight is not, or this morning is not the Antichrist. The thing that disturbs me today is not the fact that we may go into war or that we may find ourselves facing even worse pestilence than COVID-19. The greatest fear that I have in my heart is that in this end time hour, godly men will be marginalized and godly men will be pushed to the side and told that they don't matter anymore and your difference is not present any longer. I'm here to declare to you that your presence does matter. It does make a difference and it must be felt in our culture. So what happens when good men and merciful men and decent men and loyal men disappear? Read Micah 7. I only read the second verse, but read the rest of it. And when you read the rest of the chapter, he enumerates what happens when there is a vacuum of godly good men. And he talks about evil being everywhere. The loss of the worth and value of life. Killing one another indiscriminately. Greed abounds. The best, listen to me. He said the best is a briar. A thorn bush. That's what happens when you take that godly influence out of a world or a culture. And you listen to me here this morning. Every time an enemy invaded a country in days past, in biblical times, the way that they could destabilize that country and reduce them to nothing and put them on their knees was to take all of the good men, all of the strong men, and move them out of the country and make slaves and eunuchs out of them. And if you don't believe that, go read the book of Daniel because that's exactly what happened to Daniel and his compatriots in Babylon when Babylon invaded Israel. They took out all of the cream of the crop. They took the godly men and they left only the riffraff and look at what happened to Judah and Israel in the absence of these godly men. I'm going to tell you why we're in a chaotic situation in our culture right now. Because too few good men are standing up. And if I come to say anything this morning, Greater Life Church, the men of this church needs to make a difference in our community. You say, I can't do anything to affect the world. I want to tell you what do. You just focus on the world around you. And if you'll make a difference in the world around you, then it will begin to make a difference in a greater realm. If you will just make a difference where you are, it will make a difference in a greater capacity than you and I can even imagine. Listen to the word. This, th- these are the words that gripped my mind and heart as I considered this. He said ceased it just disappeared it it went out in in and in, in it it became vogue it was taken out of the picture it was marginalized it 
perished. It was no more. Now, the fact is that man did not disappear, but his influence did. So how could that happen? If the man is still present, but his influence is not felt, what has to happen in a culture for that to take place? Your value and worth as a man has to be beaten down. And that's what has been a constant play in Hollywood for the last several years. Every time man is portrayed in any kind of sitcom, he is portrayed as a buffoon, as an idiot, as someone who doesn't know his head from his feet. Somebody that doesn't know come here from go there. Somebody that doesn't have enough sense to even know how to handle himself. What's happened is that we have gradually bought into the idea that that's manhood. I've got news for you. That's not manhood. This right here is manhood. A man is a person who will stand against the tide and say, I was created by God. And I will make a difference where I live and where I can. They had departed. They had gone away. They had fled. Had they died? No, they had not died. Had they forsaken their goodness for evil? Perhaps, but more likely they simply were neutralized by their culture They were made to feel that they didn't matter. Listen to me, men. You do matter. I'm going to prove that to you over and over today. But you do matter. Whatever the case, the departure of such men was noted as a tragedy. But the even greater tragedy is the one that Isaiah seems to imply is that it was happening. The good man was perishing. The godly man was perishing. The faithful man was perishing. The man of mercy was perishing. And yet nobody seemed to be concerned that there was this vacuum being created. One of the ways that they can do what they're doing right now is to get you to believe that as a man... You do not matter. There was a depopulation of our, uh, 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 in our culture right now. And it's going on under our very eyes. The person is not being removed, but the purpose is. You hear me? The man is not being taken out of the picture, but his purpose for being in the picture has been taken away. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter. It matters more than you and I can even imagine. And we better wake up and realize that what our world needs right now is not just a remedy for COVID-19. We need a remedy for the vanishing man. We need more men who will step up and say, look, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and those within my influence. The present culture in which we are now living is working very hard to dismiss you as a godly man. If not to dismiss you, at least to neutralize your influence. To intimidate you 
and to even feminize manhood. Simply being in the place that you are today is a statement that the world cannot contradict that when there is a witness, when there is somebody that can stand up and say, I know what I am, I know who I am, I know what I was created to be, I know what God designed for my life to look like, and I'm going to live it. Amen. Some of you would be surprised to understand what the latest statistics say. But they say that your presence matters. Listen to me. The latest research declares. Come on, Rain. Amen. Latest research declares. Listen to me. That 90% of families will follow a man who decides to live for God. When a man decides to serve the Lord, statistics prove that 90% of the family will follow right in suit. How could that be? Because his movement toward God creates a vacuum that draws them along with him. Just like when a man begins to pursue God, there is a vacuum that is created that draws that man toward him. And as we are drawn toward him, we don't realize it, but there are other people around us that are being drawn into the wake of our own movement. We have any NASCAR fans? No, don't raise your hands. Anybody heard of NASCAR? You hadn't? Either we got some, well, I'm not going to say that, but anybody know about race cars, anything like that? There's a term that is used often. It's called drafting. It's a very powerful principle, and it's a reality that you can get in the wake of the car in front of you and the sheer movement And the force of its movement through the air will literally pull. It has a drag effect. And so many of the great race car drivers have learned how to utilize that to their advantage. It helps on fuel consumption and it helps them stay in the race when their motor or their car might not be performing at optimum place. And many men have won races, not because their car was superior, but they got in with somebody that was really moving and they were able to move along with that. You hear me this morning, men, that when you draw nigh to God, God said, I will draw nigh to you. And there is this vacuum that is created that will pull your family along with you. And when you decide to be a present godly man, when you decide, I will serve the Lord, there is this vacuum that is created. And you pull your children in to the equation And you give them the greatest opportunity to succeed. Amen. When the godly man perishes, excellence goes out the window and evil becomes its replacement. Good men are the light of the community. And when good men are gone and when they disappear, 
then only darkness comes. And when good men are there, they are the salt of the community. And when it is gone, it is tasteless. You matter. I said you matter. You matter. Matter more than you even understand today. And you must understand that your presence is needed drastically in our culture right now. Three things and I'm going to close. Faithfulness. There's nothing more valuable than just good old-fashioned faithfulness. Steadfastness. I will take a steadfast man any day over a hot and cold, in and out kind of personality. Amen. This is what I'm going to tell you. When we have good men, we can face anything. Some people look around and ask me, how in the world did you do what you've done? I didn't do it. But these men right here that are around me have helped us do that. Amen. Because when you have good men around you, you're not afraid to face any kind of task. You're not intimidated by any situation when you know that you're not alone and there are others that are with you. And so we can endure anything and we can overcome anything and we can outlast anything when there are good men still present. Amen. At the southern tip of Africa, there's a rocky promontory that's known as the Cape of Good Hope. When you follow the western coast of Africa from the equator, the Cape of Good Hope marks the point where you turn and begin traveling more eastward than southward. The Cape that lies there at the convergence of the warm water of the Indian Ocean and the cold currents of the Antarctic Ocean is a place where there is great storm and turbulence. Because of the mixture of this warm water and cold water, there are extreme weather patterns that spring up in this area and make it extremely hazardous and treacherous. It was sighted by the Portuguese navigator Bartolomeu Diaz in 1488. And on his return voyage to Portugal, he named this particular place the Cape of Tempest or the Cape of Fears. The reason that he named it that is because when he got to that turning point and he ran into those turbulent waters and the storms that wrecked the atmosphere, he turned back and he could not go on. But in time, somebody persevered through the storm. Somebody pushed their way on through. Somebody trimmed their sails and sailed on through the troubled waters. And so in time, this place that had been known as a cape of storms or a cape of tempest was renamed the Cape of Good Hope. What made the difference? What made the difference was one simple thing. Somebody had sailed it and proved that it could be done and had left an example that you can overcome it. You can defeat it. You can rise above it. And what our world needs today more than anything else that you could give the world on this Father's Day is just your presence. Just being 
who you are and what God designed you to be. And being that example that becomes the pivotal changing point that people can look to and say, hey, he's standing. If he's standing, so can I. He made it, so can I. He overcame those things, so can I. When I look around our congregation, a lot of our elders have slipped away, but there are many that are still here. I see Brother Cheryl here in the back, and I think of the many years of service, and I see Brother Davidson, and, and, and I, I, I recognize the, the year, Brother DeRuin, all, all of these good men. I, I don't want to just limit my, my name calling because I'm going to run out. But when I look at them, I see those who have weathered many storms. Life has not always been pleasant, but they're still here. And they're that living testimony. And they're that shining beacon of light that said, hey... I came to that place too in my life, but I decided that I was made for the storm. I decided that God had made me for such an hour and I sailed on through. What we need today more than anything are not great men because not everybody can achieve greatness. But we do need good men. It's interesting to me that when that word is used, it almost seems like we're stepping down a good man, a good man. That, 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 seems, that, that seems like second place. Why not great man? Well, that is a wonderful term. But I want to tell you what I found in my Bible. And I'm, I don't think I'm wrong when I say this. But God is referred to as being good more often than he is by perhaps any other adjective that describes who he is. His goodness, he's a good God. Why? Because God wanted you and I as men to know that we have a heavenly father. We may not have had a great example biologically in our life, but we have a heavenly father that is the perfect example. And he said, I'm not asking you to be something you can't. I just want you to be what you can. And what our world needs right now are some good men who will stand up and help stop the vanishing tide of godliness in our culture. Let's stand together. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. I cannot tell you enough today I was staggered when I started reading statistics. But some of the statistics become so personal and they become so intimate that they're almost too, uh, too much to share in a mixed congregation. But this is what I found. That when a godly man is present in his family's life, the impact on his son and daughter is beyond anything you can even imagine. 76% of all girls that were surveyed said that it was their father's influence that kept them from sexual immorality. 
their father's influence. The same holds true for young men when they have that godly influence, when there is a man present who's not brutal, he's not mean. That doesn't define manhood. A beast can do all of that. But a man after God's own heart is going to be a man who constantly prays, God, give me wisdom. Give me direction so I know how to lead my family. Because my influence is greatly needed. And it has such an impact. I don't even have time to go into the statistics, but my brother shared some of them with me and they're staggering. 90% and above in most categories when there is the absence of a man or a father in a child's life they're more likely to end up in prison on drugs on the street 90 something percent of all homeless people had an absentee father and the world wants to tell you right now that manhood doesn't fit our culture anymore And it's that subtle undertow that's trying to marginalize the effect and the influence that you can have on your world. Hear me today, men. Just draw a circle around your family and make a difference there. And that will create momentum that will affect somebody outside that circle that will help pull them in. A man was walking along the seashore one day and every so often he would reach down and he would pick up something and he would throw it out. A young boy watched him, curious. What are you doing? What, 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 what's, what's this? And so he started following him and he just continued. Every so often he would stoop, reach, pick something, throw it out. Finally, curiosity had gotten the best of him and he got up to where the man was and he said, Sir, can I? What are you doing? He said, oh, I'm helping these, some of these starfish. You see, they're all alone. He said, I'm, I'm putting them back in the water so they won't die. He said, but sir, there's so many. He said, how can you make a difference with all of them? He reached down and picked one up. He said, I don't know, but I can make a difference for this one. And he threw it back in. When we look around at our culture, we think, what difference does one man make? More than you can even imagine. And hear me today, men. By the choice that you make in the direction that you point your life, it can literally create a draft that will pull your family along with you. And so every man today, Hear me. You're needed. Don't let anybody convince you that our world doesn't have a place or a need for good, godly, faithful, merciful, kind men. Amen. We love you today, Lord. I know that you're a great father and more than anyone, you love us more than we can even comprehend. 
Lord, in this place today, there are people who are struggling with their place. Men, young men, trying to figure out who they are. Confused by the sounds and all of the things that the world is telling them about who they are. I pray today that there would be a clarion sound that would come forth from this congregation today. A sound that will penetrate the darkness. That there are still godly men and they're not vanishing from this place. They're not going to be marginalized in this area. We're not going to be pushed to the side or made to feel that we don't matter. Our presence does matter and we are needed for such a time as this. I pray your blessings upon every family and every home, every father in this building, every man, every young man in this building today. I pray your blessings and favor. Your strength will go with them today and give them the courage to be who you call them to be. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Praise God. Clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise one more time. Amen. To all of our men and young men, again, please, when you exit the building, go through the main foyer and pick up a gift. Enjoy your day. God bless you. We love all of you. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord.